Hello, it's the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. A to Z podcast.com and facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Shouts as always to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks and Cleveland Whiskey for helping to make this thing happen. Shouts to you guys for helping it grow. If you're new here, uh, if you're in a work environment, if there are kids around or you just don't like four-letter words, then um, perhaps this isn't the podcast for you. Or perhaps you should put on your earbuds or maybe come back at another time. We'd never want anyone to get in trouble for listening to A to Z because, frankly, we never know where the conversation might go. Where the hell would you like to start today, Andre? <laughs> ah, happy New Year, everyone. And uh, if you were offended by our last podcast, I apologize. That's what happens. Uh, in you know, let's just start somewhere else. Let's start with the good news for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, that Kevin Porter is not out the rest of the season, right? Uh, because yes. when he went down the other night, it looked like that was going to be a year thing. And let's be completely honest, when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's not about the uh, W's and the L's in 2020. It's more about bringing these young guys along. Um, and I find the controversy, if you want to call it that, I don't see the Kevin Love situation as controversy. Zach, I don't know how, how detailed you're into it. I know you're on another coach's um, trail, which, you know, you're pretty good at at this point in time in your life. We'll get well, to that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You do it every every other year. But I really – and I don't want to put down radio, TV. Like, I think a lot of people – there's nothing new to what's happening with Kevin Love. He's the last piece of the championship years, of the championship runs. Uh, when they was given a contract extension years after LeBron left, I think we all kind of scratched our head. Um, Kevin Love has been able to – Kevin Love is no angel. He never has been, never will be. Um, but he's played his role, and I'm not talking about on the basketball court. He's played his role as an NBA player very well uh, throughout his career and made a lot of money. And when you're trying to do two things at once, as we've seen with the Browns and other organizations, um, there's going to be some com- there's going to be some conflicts, and there's going to be some people – they get rubbed the wrong way. And what the Cavs have done and what Kobe Altman has done, in my opinion, uh, because a lot of this is what's come out recently, Zach, um, has been bubbling over for, for almost a year. Um, and that's not me talking out of my ass. I've told you since last August, September, um, that there was going to be controversy coming with him wanting out. Um, the problem with Kevin Love is this. You want out. Everybody that has a brain gets why you want out. We all are with you, but you're making a whole lot of money. And to be completely honest, you've never won any games without having LeBron James or Kyrie Irving next to you. And it's hard for another organization to say, okay, we're going to give this guy $90 million over the next three years or 60 over the next two, whatever it may be. Um, and you're probably going to be the third best guy on the team. If you're going to go to a winning team, no team is going to trade for Kevin Love to be the centerpiece. Are they Zach? No, um, they're not going to get much in return because the contract is so inflated. I mean, it wasn't just two months ago. The report was teams were asking for a one back from the Cavs to take Kevin Love off their hands. Right. 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 Um, First, I'd say this. No one feels sorry for him or should. This is exactly what he signed up for. Right. Absolutely. Um, He he didn't have to sign that deal. He did. Everybody in the world knew that this is what it was going to be for the Cavs. Right. And maybe last year the Cavs themselves were in denial for a little bit because, remember, there was a lot of that shit being floated around. Like, we can still compete in the East. We'll we'll rebuild and and compete. Um, No. 
No, you can't do it. You know, it's obviously not ideal to hand the keys of the franchise to a 20-year-old, right, or a 21-year-old or whatever. No, just turned 21, yeah. But this is today's NBA, and this is how it goes. And when LeBron chose to leave, well, first of all, when LeBron left the first time, the Cavs had no choice. And when he came back, um, it was like you hand him the keys, right? You don't love it. You, you know it's right. not going to be smooth. There's going to be drama, and but you, you won, and, and it was great. And, and you stated this, again, but you stated this. Yeah, you this stated this in you the do. beginning. Kevin right. Love should act more like an adult. Kevin Love should play hard and shut up, and that will help his chances because tantrums okay. and doing this kind of shit is not going to help any team that really is taking on a burden in his contract. Now, people see the NBA yeah. is wide open this year. You know, people think that the trade deadline, which has become a date of its own in the NBA and maybe the most important in-season date outside of Christmas Day, right, which is for another Pretty discussion. Pretty much, yeah. Like, there might be 12 teams that see that they can win it this year, whereas most years it's three or even one, right, one and a half. Right, right, so, right. So maybe um, that ends up working in the Cavs' favor and Kevin Love's favor and some other guys on down. But acting like a child certainly yeah. is not helping his case. And, you know, if you – really scrunch the numbers and the Cavs are going to only do deals where they can get maximum value for guys that he might be here next winter too. Yeah. Stuck like suck. Okay. You're right. But there is something, and this is for the coaches, our basketball coaches, our brothers and cousins and friends. You're right. But there is something to being, I want to say this the right way. Cause if I don't say it the right way, it's not going to make, it's not going to make what I'm saying make enough sense. I do like that he's trying to hold these young kids accountable, though, Z. Now, we can debate about how to be a professional, when's the best way to complain, what's the best way to ask to be traded. The NBA really – the NBA has just changed the game. When you saw what Antonio, what Antonio Anthony Davis did to New Orleans to get to L.A., when you see what different players have done to get traded, whether it be Kyrie, obviously – the cat's out of the bag. You just act like a, an asshole or like a five-year-old. You get traded for some of these guys. My thing with Kevin Love is, and I don't agree with everything he's done, and I've got pretty good sources that have told me that Kevin Love basically has to be traded way back last August, last September, last July, whatever. The one thing that I stand with him a little bit with, not even a little bit, a lot of bit, he's trying to get this young guard who, let's be honest, the Cavs are going to need to be the face of the franchise in, the, in two years or a year. The Cavs in a year, year and a half are going to have to make a decision about Sexton, about whether they want to sign him to that next deal, right? That's, like, that's a part of this whole deal when you draft 19-year-olds, that you have to make a decision on them when they used to get out of college. You've got to make another decision upon who you are. Now, is it Sexton's fault that he has no idea how to play point guard at 21 years old? Darius Garland, same thing. And that's not a surprise. Look, both of them didn't even, like, Garland played five games in college. Sexton, you know, was given the ball and just basically told to go with it. He's got this unbelievable speed, but he has no idea how to use it. And elementary things of the game, Zach, elementary things that we've seen our friends at Mount Union, our friends at Manchester, our friends, uh, I won't say St. V, but even St. V, uh, all around Pittsburgh, that if your big man has a point guard on him, and you knew this when you were on the bench in eighth grade, if Nate Cinderwolf had me on him, you threw the damn ball to Nate Cinderwolf. And when you're in the pros, 
and you have a guy that you're giving the ball to 60, 70% of the time, and he doesn't recognize things like that. He wants to run a play. I understand the frustration of Kevin Love. I understand when Tristan went off a couple weeks ago because the young guard didn't do, didn't run a play properly. And I think the hard thing is, as we both know, and most people listen to this podcast that get the NBA and get back. This is one of the hardest things for me in basketball was when a coach called a play, I never knew when to be aggressive and just go shoot and just go, go to what I saw or to run a play. And if you played with LeBron forever, you basically ran whatever, you played high screen and roll with LeBron and got it out of the way or got to the corner. What Kevin Love is frustrated, Kevin Love is frustrated because he wants out of Cleveland. No doubt. No doubt. And then they find him $1,000 for punching a chair and walking off pissed off off the court. I think Kobe Altman and the Cavs, are, they, they got to be careful, Zach, because, yeah, we know there's some underlining things and he wants to be out. But also at the same time, you've got to hold the 20-21-year-old guard accountable to learn how to run a team and keep the other four guys on the court happy because that's part of his job yeah so um as much time as we've spent talking about this is as as, as nearly as much as i've actually watched at least not without three other games on at the same time right (laughs) you know and like a little bit here like i always say i'm not ever going to tell anybody who to root for or what to care about right um but it comes to the point when you can only be when your level of frustration with the Browns should only match your level of surprise. And like those hardcore Cavs fans who want to see this through, like you got to know how far away it is. Right. And like, can't be surprised. (laughs) So Kevin Love should fall. What I'm trying to say is Kevin Love should fall into that category because he signed up for this. And I mean, for the first however many years of career, this of his career, this is what he did. Fat Kevin Love was twenty and twenty, but the Timberwolves never won more than twenty six games. No, right, right. Like, hey man, Lewis, winning, winning is intoxicating, and he thinks that he's a winner. He forgets Fat Kevin was twenty twenty and nineteen and, and and sixty every year. Right, you're right. But all I, all I keep going back to is who is going to, and this is the hardest thing about rebuilding in any sport. Who holds these young kids accountable to play the game right? Yeah, and listen, and, I mean, this is why they brought in Beeline, right? To teach and to, right. to, to mold a young team into what it can become, right? So I totally, like, not only do I believe that he wants out, and but, like, it's not – he signed that contract, so he made himself damn near untradeable the day he signed that contract. Yeah. Right? So – but you don't say no to the contract. But what you're saying, back, but what you're saying back to that is, you sign a contract, shut up. Yeah. Right. That's. I. I, I well, and look. Yeah. He looks around the league, and everybody else has talked their way out. Right now, he's not right. those guys. You know, I mean, is part of this discussion where Kevin Love really ranks in the NBA right now? You know. I, yes. Yeah, because I mean, look, <laughs> you're right. It is. Yeah. I mean, he is a unique player, and he he can help teams win, and he can fill it up. And he can help you win, but for that asking price, for that commitment, yeah. the team has to see you as a real building block. I, I mean, I don't know what right. team that would be a contender could afford to just give up something and throw him in there right now and in, in, in function. There isn't, right? No, they would, the only trade that would work for him, it would be. Remember when Detroit traded for a kid from the Clippers that needs another knee surgery again, Blake. They traded for Blake not to try to get in the playoffs, but just to get people in the seats, right? They go in for Blake Griffin because they went to that new 
arena downtown Detroit. Nobody was going. They didn't have a marquee player. And now they realize two years later they've given him a ton of money. That didn't work either. That's what you need, though. You need a general manager and ownership that aren't looking at trying to win a championship. They're looking at trying to put fannies in the seats. And to be completely honest, I don't know how many fannies Kevin Love puts in the seats. Um, it's, I, I, I blame both sides, though. I would have never offered him that contract. Um, they should have got rid of him this offseason. This isn't news to people within the confines of the, of the field house. Um, and now they got an ugly situation. And I think you said it best. There's a good chance this situation can be going on 12 months from now. I mean, look, I, I respect what the, the, the Cavs have a grip on their situation, right? And, and he clearly doesn't fit that, just like JR didn't fit that, right? Um, right. Clarkson didn't fit that. Hell, I, I think what they got for Clarkson was pretty darn good return. I don't think you're going to get much better than that. It'd be tougher to sell with Kevin Love in a similar deal like that because of the recognizable name because he's the link to the championship. But, guys, in sports terms, that was a long damn time ago, right? We have, yeah. We have moved on. Oh, I would say only the uniforms are the same, but today is NBA. Everybody has eight <laughs> uniforms, so they're not even the same. You know? I, you love the game of basketball. I a do. lot of people wouldn't know that if they heard this conversation so far. I do. But I've made clear for as long as we've been doing this that the regular season NBA doesn't interest me, and that includes when LeBron was here. Right? Yeah. I mean, I go way back, Dre, to the first time LeBron was here. And it would be a night like this. And I would turn it on for 10 minutes. And five out of six times in those 10 minutes, he would do something that would just wow you. Right? But I I just, for what I do and what I'm into, I can't get into regular season NBA for many reasons. And, and like, I respect – we haven't talked about this because we've been talking football and and other shit that goes with football here where we're based. Right? (laughs) But, like – I respect these ideas that have been tossed around about the in-season tournament, about doing things, because I think the powers that be in the NBA realize that it has gotten so far away from being about winning that they need to try to reel that back in to an extent, right? And I think the Kevin Love thing can be lumped in. This is generalization, but lumped in with the problem of when it flashes on your TV screen or your phone screen, that who, however they shape this tournament, each winner on each team is going to get a million bucks. That's like, okay, now now I'm interested. But when you really sit down and do the math, only about five guys in that team really need that million bucks. So yeah. there's your problem. The bottom of your roster, right. right? Kevin Love's contract is fully guaranteed, whether he's acting like a dickhead in Cleveland, whether he's producing in Cleveland, or whether he's doing whatever anywhere else, any of the other cities, right? He's fully yeah. guaranteed that money, and that's why he signed that contract. And you can't blame him for it. I mean, especially a guy no. that's had the injury issues that he's had, right? You just you can't no. blame him for it. Um, and well, again, like, let me ask you about the tournament. Let me ask you about the tournament because I'm glad you brought it up. And the first time reading it, I get the same exuberance that I got when I was like 12 years old and would hear something cool or neat or something different. Then I sat around and thought about it and came to the same conclusion as you. It was like, okay, what's a million dollars to a guy making 30 million a year? Um, but what I will say is this, and I'm not a, I'm not a soccer guy, but it, and I don't know how soccer even works with all their leagues and different. I don't I don't know how it works, and I know you can win championships during midseason, and they you know you right. I think you get I I don't know how it works, but I know soccer players make a ton of money, and I know that they do make a big deal out of when they win these tournaments that aren't the big ones or aren't UEFA or aren't. I don't have it all down, and you, people can mock me, make fun of me. I'm not gonna learn it. I know what I need to know. I think what the NBA is figuring out is that, yes, their sport is very popular. 
yes, their sport is generating lots of money. But if they don't look outside the box and do some things a little bit differently, they're going to lose the millions of dollars that they're making. And it almost is like a European sport now. Uh, and I'm not talking about the European players. I'm talking about you need something else to gravitate us for six months. We love your three months of playoffs. We all love it. But we can't stand October till March 1st. And to me, that is a, that, that's what good management does. Now, is there something out there that can grab our attention? Yeah, you're right. million dollars to a team that wins a midseason classic or whatever else, not much. But we gotta, they got to try something, Z. They got to try something, whether it's first half champions, whether it's I'm at that point. I, I, I used to snicker and stuff like this and shake my head. Uh, that's where the league is at right now because the playoffs are great. The regular season is not. And one other thing I got to say to you. What do I tell Raj every time he posts a picture of himself at a Cavs game? I said, you've been to more of those this year than Kevin Love had. Yes, you did. It's true. And it's true. And, hey, and I love that. You know what, though? I love that Raj loves it, though. I love it. And I've gone to, like, three or four games. And it's been it's, – it's still, it's still NBA basketball. It's still professional basketball. I think the problem is we've been oversaturated with all sports on television. And if certain sports don't have a certain – a uh, certain smell to them, it's hard for us to get into them. So, I really do believe, yeah, I, I no, think in all sports, to that. I, I like your soccer comparison because I think they're trying to use that as a model, right? And I think now, yes. I mean, the NBA for years has been focused on this global brand thing, right? Yep. Um, LeBron's been making the trips in the summer to China and the other places, and they've been playing games in London. And Dirk Nowitzki kind of opened the door to a whole new region where basketball really. Yao Ming. Yes, Yao too, Ming. Yes. But, yeah, I'm just – in general, right? I mean, should I go back to Andrew Gaze, the Australian player for Seton Hall? Yeah. Play a little American wow. Fireworks glory days here. But, anyway, so, like you mentioned, you don't know all the details, and I don't either, but I have a working knowledge of it. And the way I understand it, some of these, like, traditional in-season tournaments in England, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these teams, these clubs, they own the rights to these guys. So they, are, they use them to play some of their younger players, right? So, obviously, mm-hmm. the NBA teams don't have – I mean, they have bottom-of-the-bench guys. They have can't-charge guys, right? But they don't they don't own the rights to Cassius Winston, right? Gotcha. Who, who they could bring up. And then the other thing right. with that is why it's different is in the Premier League, for example, they play till a day, and it's over. They don't have the playoffs. So, yes, over the course of the nine-month calendar with all the extra tournaments and whatever, it's built – they rest their guys. They have load management, however it's called, whatever it's referred to. <laughs> but – in the NBA, it's all about the playoffs, right? And the playoffs work right. and the playoffs sell. But, you know, when you talk about adding extra games and doing those things, it's all about the goal. And like I said, I, I, if people have listened, I've been consistent, and I don't have a problem with these guys sitting. I understand why the NBA has tried to come out and, and make regulations and make it harder on these teams. But these guys are worth so much money. They're businesses of their own. They, they you know, what is the difference in value between the Cavs with LeBron and Cavs without? It's – it's a number that you can't yeah. even fathom, right? Like, right, right. So when you talk about, like, Kawhi Leonard, I don't need Kawhi Leonard to play 82 games, right? And the Clippers don't no. either. So I don't have a problem with that because the Clippers have agreed to pay him that for these years, and they're trying to maximize their investment. That That's what they're doing. Yeah. So I, I like the thought. And listen, we are where we are as a sports-watching society. It's about getting things on TV. It's about creating the buzz using social media and whatever else. And then 
you know, the sports fan that's our age and 10 years younger than us and then certainly 10, 20 years older than us, you have your routine of when things are. So that's right. where the dollars are for the marketers is when you're getting them at other times, right? So the midseason tournament and right. concept is great, especially with soon half the country will be legalized betting. That's more things to add, right? So no is doubt. this tournament in Vegas? Is it at the Cowboys Stadium? Is it where it's not normally? You know, NBA teams playing on neutral sites, maybe playing in smaller arenas and, and bringing it up. I'm I all like, for that. I don't know I if like, it works. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, is it really worth the squeeze because if you're one of these teams, are you really going to play your guys these extra games? And are they really going to get excited yeah. about it? In the summer, the TBT is awesome. They've made it great TV in the summer because there's no yeah. basketball on. And college basketball needs to find a way. The kids are staying on campus 12 months a year anyway. They need to find a way to play in August and get on TV and do this. So the NBA is trying to do that. It's just ultimately are they going to care? And, and, and to me, and I'm not the only white, old white guy who has this thought, it's like in general, yes, I understand – the level and the work that these guys put in, but how many of them at the end of the day really care whether they win or not when they're making $40 million? Well, and that, that's, that's professional sports in 2020. Sure. That's college. That's college sports. It's, it is something to look at, but I do think there is something to, as a society, we celebrate so many things as big, um, that it's hard for us to get into a baseball game in April. It's hard for us to get into a basketball game in, in, in October, December, um, and I would say that's where football has this, this pull upon us, college football and pro football. Every game matters so much. We put so much into that one game a week. Um, that's why I think we see reactions on owners and teams so vividly different amongst the same people in the same cities. Um, there, We have all, because the playoffs mean everything, and we basically sold our society on, you get the Jordan face or you get the chip. Uh, that thought process is not good for the long haul. We are not a society that gets into uh, watching the 800 run during the Olympics. We will gather around the table and bet on who's the fastest man in the world running the 100 or the 200. Um, and that's just, it fits into our society right now. And I think the NBA is running into this. But there is one thing that you did say about when, when you'd watch LeBron way back when, probably like eight years ago, maybe well, 10 years like ago. 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. Well, it makes my point even more. Every time I still see him, he's still doing three or four or five things that makes your jaw makes your jaw drop. He may not do them as, as explosive, but there is something about what he is doing, and it's almost like I think everyone is afraid to talk about it, talk about it because it's abnormal. Um, but at 35 years old, Z, he and I know he has hell. He hasn't even made it through half a season yet. Will he have his type of juice in April, May, June? Who knows. But it's been pretty damn impressive uh, what I've seen him do so far this year. Okay, you're right. Um, does it hurt the NBA that so many people are in bed while he's doing these things? Woo! Um, damn. Did, I would, the first thought I had, because I never thought of this question, and I think it's a great one. First thought I had is, did it hurt him for Magic, with Magic Johnson? But then again, when Magic Johnson came into the league and was playing in the, in, in the championship, the games weren't even live on TV. You know, the, the, the finals games. Um, that is a good question, Zach. I think TNT has sold itself and it's done a great job in selling itself for what it is on Thursday nights. Um, and that ESPN has kind of sold itself. The hell, they, they built a sports center, they built ESPN right outside the Staples Center. Um, I would say our culture and our world is much different. And this would affect that uh, 20 years ago. 
But sure, there's a lot of people on the East Coast that aren't seeing exactly what LeBron is doing because it's after most go to bed. But I would say that TV and sports is set up better today than it was 20 years ago to do, to have him playing on the West Coast. Yeah, no, that makes no sense? doubt. And, and I, we've had that discussion many times. I'm just saying, as I've glanced headlines, Dre, this is what I've seen. You know, when people have said the NBA ratings are down, does it matter? It's, it's an argument that I haven't really taken on, quite frankly. And, Me either. Um, it just gets to a certain point of football season, and, and I'm, I'm locked into football. And when I'm not, I'm locked into Brody's team or Youngstown State basketball right. or right. You know, watching whatever. I went to Ohio State's game the other night, um, and all those 5'8 white Wisconsin kids ended up winning somehow. But, <laughs> you know, I just I – You saw the movie, Hoosiers. I consume the large NBA stories, and I try to keep up on the Cavs, reading The Athletic, having it on when I'm around. You know, but I just – it's not my business at a certain point. And, like, frankly, there's a couple Cavs games I've watched, and I'm like, these are these guys are so bad, I don't know how anybody does this. I'm not trying to be a prick. I'm yeah. just saying it's – like, I watched them lose the Knicks by 25 about four Mondays ago, and I thought, how in the world does anyone watch this? <laughs> right? They're hard watch at times. But they're exciting. They give you – they did it Sunday. They were a terrible watch for an hour. And then they went on a run with some kid, Dante Exum, that we, we that used to be in Utah. And they go on a run, and I'm, i got to tell you, they gave you 15 minutes of, wow, that was fun, and then they, you know, did, the starters got back in and they couldn't score. Um, so you got to be very patient to see the good part. That's what I would say to you. That's Roger's tenderline. I'll give you 15 minutes of, wow, that was funny. That's why he goes to say <laughs> 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 Well, you know that the sponsor for the Clippers uh, should be live with sponsor. Pretty sure it's uh, – what's the one? Bumble. I think Bumble is oh, the sponsor yeah. for the uh, – for the so LA I Clippers. Tell you guys um, the story. <laughs> no, never mind. I'm gonna get in trouble for saying. No. Nah. Oh, you can't. You why you brought it in that far? Okay, so uh, if you've listened to the Athletic Civilized Barking podcast during the season, it's twice a week, and one is it's usually the post game. Um, it's open to all listeners, and then the other one is for, is for subscribers later in the week. So, the first one has sponsors and. So they send me a couple reads one day, and I do them, and, you know, they mix them in the thing, whatever. I know how the business works. So a couple weeks in, they send a survey that says, hey, you know, we've got six or eight companies potentially, and, you know, some of them are for different certain parts of the country, but some of them are national. Do you guys have any, for whatever reasons, religious, health, personal beliefs, outside deals, (laughs) any conflicts of interest here? And so it was like, you know, a ticket app. It was like uh, DoorDash. It's, it was like, um, you know, so-and-so's contacts or something like that. Um, and one of them was for a company that makes erectile dysfunction medicine. And so I no, clicked, yeah. I don't want to do this one. Like, I just, I'm not comfortable doing that. And so the next week we get the new reads, and it's the DoorDash read, the same one, just updated language, and it's the one. <laughs> it's the other one. And ah, I keep seeing ah. that. When I watch the NBA, I keep seeing that. And I, now I pay attention. I mean, knock on wood, you guys can make fun of my love life all you want. We haven't had that be an issue, right? So, But I see that for the NBA games, this particular company, and I think I just pay more attention now. Uh, God, erectile dysfunction. I never thought we would talk about ED here on the A to Z podcast, but I'm glad we are because there's many jokes that will come from this, and I'm sure the mature people on Twitter that love us well, love telling ED stories. Well, just, <laughs> and moving forward, it's payback. It's, but that is the, the business shit that I give Dustin about his stupid reads. His he's a relentless seller. You know, yeah, I, hey man, that's the business on the real, on the real, real. 
and I and I tip my hat to, to Dustin. Dustin and I have had a lot of conversations um, about the business early on and, and recently. Um, and I've told him, and I've told a lot of people, and, and same with Lima. Um, you got to hustle in that game, man. If you don't hustle in that game, it's hard to make good money. But once you get the hustle going, you can make some money. So I'm happy for him. I know we mock him. I know that it annoys the shit out of people. Um, I'm a consumer just as much as I've been a part of it. I'm not trying to speak down to anyone. Um, but in the radio game, especially the way it's set up in Northeast Ohio, if you can't sell some shit and you aren't selling anything, it's hard to make money. And it's funny. It's kind of like what happens in life, the chicken or the egg. It's funny because once you start selling a little bit, it's funny how your company seems to want to give you a little bit more money now too. Um, but that means that's, you know, that's part of the stride. So if your dick ain't working, you make sure you listen to that podcast with Zach Jackson so he can put a roof on his head. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Jackson. Woo! Sorry, Joy. I know she's going to be mad Zach out in Jackson San Francisco. DoorDash, and I've used DoorDash <laughs> in 21 cities in 2019. Hi, I'm Andre now for Roman. And if your dick ain't working. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a pill for you. Um, let, me, let, let me ask a good question off of that. When I say Brian Dayball, the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> uh, him being here with Rob Ryan. Oh yeah. And just he didn't fit the well, cluster yeah, yeah, the thing was when me and Jeannie was hell bent on being the emperor. Uh, yes. You know, Brian Dable I didn't get a good Go ahead. Brian Dable can coach some football. Uh he's proven he's he's been everywhere. He's been in good situations, he's been in bad situations. Yeah. He's worked for Saban and Belichick. Uh he's been in demand. Um you know, I think we saw the worst of Josh Allen the other day at the end of that game. But Josh Allen yeah. has always been a project and will continue to be, and they've won games. But Dayball getting that, but Dayball getting that far speaks volumes. Yeah. So, um, you know, look, I have my issues with the Browns, Dayball or anyone else, going with relatively unproven coordinator guy. Now, Dayball's been a coordinator a lot longer than a lot of these guys have, and he's been in a lot more different experiences than a lot mm-hmm. of these guys have. Um, mm-hmm. Would he be on the top of my list? No, but um, I'm glad you made this segue. I mean, guys, like like I said last time, I, I'm not railing on the firing of Dorsey because you can easily make the case for that. My question is, what's the plan? And then when Jimmy Haslam gets up there, I know part of it is what do you expect him to say because what do you ever expect from the Browns? But he lays out, right. this, this is our structure, this is our coaching committee, and I ask all of you listening, what do you expect? Because I don't see a plan. They don't have a structure. They don't have a plan. It doesn't matter. We can, we can do podcasts all day long, all night long on every candidate, all the good, all the bad. I, I'm sorry. It does not matter. Um, until the owner can sit down, until the owner can make a decision and stand by it, and when I say stand by it, not for 10 minutes, not for 10 days, not for 10 weeks, but for like four years, five years, it does not matter who they hire, who they fire, who they talk to, and how they talk to them. And, and it's a damn shame that this is the process. And I get what sells papers, what sells tweets, and, and what sells EDs. Um, but it doesn't matter, guys. I was, I, I had a, I was, Rob and I were out. We had a cigar Saturday night. We're watching a, you know, we're watching a football game. We're having a good night. And, you know, the guy figures out who I am. And, and I'd had a couple, you know. And he goes, well, who do you, who do you think they're going to? And I, like, blatantly said, and Rob's not a Browns fan, so Rob found this hilarious. I go, dude, I go, they could hire Jesus effing Christ. And I'm sorry to the religious people out there. You got me thinking about everything I say now. Um, 
But I said, I go, it doesn't matter if they hire Jesus Christ. I go, if they continue running the team how it's been run for the last seven years, it won't matter if you can walk on water. They'll still look at you and basically say, we wanted you to swim. You walked on the water too fast. Or somebody in, in the other section of our building didn't like how you looked at them yesterday. And I, Brian Dayball wanted to be the perfect one to ask you about because I, I know him a little bit. I'm not friends with him. I didn't – because it was the era that you said with Mangini, I'll be honest, I didn't get a great read on Brian Dayball, and I felt like Brian was like mini Mangini when he was here, and, and that just wasn't a good time for me. Um, in my process of life. Um, but I respect the shit out of what Brian Dayball has done at Alabama. Um, I respect – what I, I guess I'm getting at, Zach, is if this was a normal team, a normal coach's uh, run, I would look closely at Brian Dayball because of his work with Belichick, because of his work with McDaniel, because of his work with Eric Mangini, because of his work with Saban, uh, and because of what we just watched him do with Josh Allen – I would tell you he would be a good candidate for a team that, that knows what they're trying to do and who they want to be, because I feel like he's been around a lot of smart football people and he continues to find his way to be successful around those smart football people. But this situation, I don't think he's got a chance in hell because I don't think he's got the right personality. And I don't even know what the personality is, but I wouldn't take the job if I were him either. Yeah, I kind of agree there, Dre. I mean, as we've been doing this podcast, they added another name to the list and Jim Schwartz, who, you know, is a guy that has had coaching experiences, has been around. But I just want to say this. So this is officially eight days since you fired Freddie Kitchens. You knew you were doing it minimum three weeks before that. You had John Dorsey in on the firing of him, and then two days later you fired him. And so now you've lined up seven candidates. I believe you, as of today you've interviewed five of them, maybe, maybe four, uh, and the other two. Are not, but you're still adding guys to the list. So what? So where am I supposed to have faith in this plan? And again, this committee and this structure, you know, I, I just and I understand that Jim Schwartz was coaching until yesterday. Right. But his name never popped right. up on any of the request lists. Right. It's never been no. passed along any otherwise. I, I just, it just goes I know. On and on I, and on I agree. And on. You know? But and, and, and I actually heard this from Gerard Emmett and I'm going to steal it from him. because I was listening to their show today because I wholeheartedly agree with this and we got to do this. Stop getting excited about getting the hottest play caller or the, the you know, the guy with the, the, the prettiest offense or defense that's running the league or in college, because the one thing the Browns have shown me or shown all of us, I think is that at the end of the day, if you are a leader of men, it doesn't matter how cute your playbook is, right? Like you have to be looking for a lead. And I know it's a, it's a cliche thing. And what is a leader of men? It's almost like the quarterback, like, for how long the Browns were looking for a quarterback, how many conversations we would get at? And some people would want a guy that was 6'3". Some people would want a guy that could throw the ball through the wind. Some people would want, um, you know, a West Coast guy. Some guy, you know, would want to have certain numbers versus in college, you know, passing in college, because that equals quarterback success. And then once in a while, somebody like Zach or somebody else would just say, I want a guy that has it, right, when we were talking about a quarterback. Same thing with coaching. I don't care about the offensive background, defensive background anymore. I wish people would pay more attention to some defensive guys, to be completely honest. But if they don't find a leader of men, Zach, it doesn't matter. And as you just said, they don't know it. And you didn't say this. Andre is saying this. I just want to get this point clear because I'm not trying to start shit. The Browns don't know what they're doing. It is so obvious they don't know what they're doing. To the point, and this is unbelievable to me, 
the of all teams to kind of show you because if I know two teams well, and sorry I had to get gas um, today in my car, but if I know <laughs> you're such a disaster. <laughs> I am a complete disaster. All right, let, me, <laughs> let me say this because we both got to get out of here, and I know people want to talk about the coaching search, right? Um, my read to the tea leaves right now, eight days in, is is Josh McDaniels, and I thought, you know, going back to December, that he would be the choice. Now we we figured he wasn't going to work with Dorsey, right? Uh, I didn't know if they right. were going to sit down and and try to talk things out. Um, you know, I certainly didn't foresee Dorsey getting the boot, um, but but it happened, and, and they go along. Um, and I'm for Josh McDaniels because he knows he's on his last chance. Um, because if he takes this job, he's telling you he trusts the quarterback that he can fix him, that he can build an all-weather offense here, that he can maximize this organization. But the thought of hiring Josh McDaniels and letting him guide the search for your GM – the thought that he still can't work with certain people, um, even with Dorsey out of the building. And, again, it's just a thought. I don't know. I don't know if Josh and Andrew Barry know each other. Uh, I, I don't know if Josh could get Casario to come or they'd have to go further down the line. I don't know anything about Dave Ziegler other than he played at Talmadge High School and John Carroll University, and those are two places that are all right with me. But I, I'm just telling you, as much as I think Josh is the number one candidate, the way I read it and the way I would have been telling it to you guys in conversations for months now, um, you can't trust him to take the job. He's going to need a certain level of comfort to take it, and and he's going to need a, he's going to have a long list of demands and pretty high maintenance ones. And so the Browns could go all through this and get to the end of this week and talk to him, and he might not feel good about it. And and then again, then maybe you've done another search and you haven't gotten your top guy again. And I'm just but you sort just of said it. Like <laughs> you can't how you, you can't get to that point. You, again. I'm not putting words in Josh's mouth. I know people that know Josh not well. Uh, I've followed Josh's career from for 25, he was like 15 years, years old, right? Now. His, his every single move. I know the steel company that he worked at when he got out of football, that he got back in thinking that a couple years working for Bill Belichick would help him be the head coach at McKinley. And now he's right, you know, right. looking for another job in the NFL. He's already made more money and, and has all these things that he could ever imagine. But his track record – and his personality and, and mini man and mini Belichick, as you said, mini Mangini earlier, being reference points, guys, there's no guarantee that if the Browns knock his socks off or he knocks theirs off on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that by Monday he's the coach. And that concerns the hell out of me. It really does. Well, you said but you know what, and all the great things you just said, you, you spelled it out in the beginning. He is the best candidate for the situation because of everything you just said. Everything that has happened in his life points towards right now him leading the Cleveland Browns. I really, re- I really believe that. I really do. I just feel like everything in his life points towards if there is a time for for Mr. McDaniel's. I can't believe I'm calling him Mr. because like you, I've, I know his whole life and, and followed his whole life and knew his brother in college and everything else. Um, this is it's now, right? Kids are a little bit older. He's he's got all the experience he could possibly have. He's had positives. He's had negatives. He's learned from the best. He he knows the game. Hell, he didn't just learn from Belichick either. He learned from one of the best high school coaches in Northeast Ohio in the last 50 years as well. The game is in his blood. Being in Northeast Ohio and, and, knowing, and, and winning in Northeast Ohio is in his blood. Yes, there's been some hiccups. The problem is, and you just said it, 
if he can't trust the situation, he's not going to agree to it. And there is nothing that has happened here in the last 20 years, and especially in the last seven, that brings the word trust to anyone's mind. So it's all a rat race of going, no. it's rocking in a rocking chair. All these coaches and all these searches is rocking in a, because to me, they're not going to get who they want. They're going to get somebody that's just happy-go-lucky to take it and saying, well, shit, you know, I'm going to take this money and see where it goes. And I, and, I, and I hate to say it that way because Mike Pettin is a good football coach. No business being head coach of the Cleveland Browns when he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. But you know what? He gave it the old, he gave it the old chance to see what he could do. And damn it, until upstairs got involved, he started winning games and gave this team an identity. Yeah. But they had to wreck it because they could not stay away from doing what they do. Tinkering, texting, putting in their five cents of opinions, changing this and changing that. So we can talk about Josh McDaniels, and I, I'm with you. The time is now for Josh to do it. If I was his friend, if I was in his corner, if I had any, I couldn't tell him to take the job. I would say, hey, if you're ready to take this risk and you really believe in yourself and you believe you have it all set up to do it, brother, go do it. But if you're asking me for my opinion, uh, this wouldn't be the job I would take when the word trust comes about. Listening to you for the last 45 seconds, I just want to apologize to our listeners for not more foreseeing 2019 Right, from the organization that can't right. keep anybody for more than a year and a half, that had the radio guy working in a scouting gig, right? That's texting the sideline. <laughs> this drafted Corey Coleman, right? That's yeah. doing all this shit over and over and, and over. over again. And we thought the trading for Odell Beckham was going to be great, <laughs> dude. Somebody and called me out and it was great. Him, them, right? All, still, right? <laughs> Right. Go away. Get out of my but mentions. Somebody... I don't want you. Don't listen to my podcast. Don't buy my book. Don't subscribe. I don't care. I don't want you. Let the Browns buy earn his book. trust. <laughs> Let the Browns earn your faith. Let the Browns earn it. If the goal of the offseason, Josh McDaniels or Jim Schwartz or Lincoln Riley or whoever the hell it ends up being, if the whole motto of the offseason is we were humbled and we are hungry and we will prove it, then damn it, that might serve them well. Right? Because they have, in 21 seasons, and in seven years under the Haslams, they have not accomplished anything. This is the fifth coaching search under the Haslams. They are the laughing stock of the NFL. He ain't lying. He ain't lying. And trust is not a word that comes with the Browns when people talk about the Browns outside of Cleveland. So, yeah, people will come for the interview. And, yeah, people will listen. But I think anybody that's got anything going for them, Zach, this ain't it. But I did have somebody reach out to me that said they listened to our podcast the day Odell Beckham was traded there. And, and, so, and a couple of people went at me and said I was, uh, what do they call it? Well, I, was, I wasn't excited enough. But I said, and, they, and we said, and I'm not patting us on the back, I go, I can't wait to play a video game with this team. And the person that reached out to me said, damn it, as much as you pissed me off that night when I listened to that podcast, because the first thing I thought of when they fired everybody was Andre and Zach were right. They're a video game. They're not a real NFL football team. They don't calculate and do things like a real NFL football team. They do exactly what people do in our fantasy football leagues and our, you know, in our college buddies, beer softball leagues. They do it all off of emotion. They do it all off of me, 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 never thinking about what that's going to mean two, three years from now. Because in fantasy football, you don't have to worry about that. You just trade off, say, screw it. I hate fantasy football, and you do it all over again next year. 
Josh and that's McDaniels what the Browns is the do. Exact kind of offensive coach that can maximize yep. the talent on hand and eventually build an offense that with with the benefits of continuity and talent and chemistry and adept quarterback play. Things the Browns have never had. They, they've had one of the, or sometimes two of the four, but never more than two of the four at the same time. That he can be that. Does he want it? Can he work here? Can he work with the right people? Can everybody get on the same page? Can they see it through? I don't know any of those things. And that's why, at this moment, I truly don't know what's going to happen with the coaching search. Right? No. I, I just don't. No, me either. So, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say earlier, if there's two NFL teams I know well, it's the Browns and Cowboys. And I got to give Jerry Jones respect, even though he, he's odd, weird, and everything else. Zach, he knew what he wanted, and he went and got the guy. Now, he did make him stay at his house, and that's weird, and that's a whole other podcast. But as an organization, he's, I've heard two things that stood out to me. Jerry knows he's Jerry, and he said, we got to get somebody that can work along with my son and I. But he also said something else that stood out to me that I was like, wow, the guy gets it. Jerry said, I, I'm at a certain age where I need Steven, who's going to take this thing over. I need Steven to be comfortable with whoever the coach is because as this goes along, Steven's going to have to run more of this team than I am. And I'm looking at a coach that we're planning on having here to a time where I may not be able to run everything. And you know how I feel about Jerry Jones in everyday life. But to me, the humility and knowing the responsibility of what it means to own that team and how to run it when it comes to a coaching search, yeah, they should have got rid of Garrett six years ago, five years ago. He should have stopped trying to draft players and running trades, him and his son, 20 years ago when they ran Jimmy Johnson out. But to me, to have the humility of, hey, we're going to go get this guy uh, that we watched in Green Bay for all these years. And like you just said with McDaniels, to them, this guy can make our running back good. He can make our passing game good. We can leave our defense to the guy we have and run our defense. He can be our coach going forward. They did it. They had a thought process, and they connected and did it. Does that mean that they're going to win 10 games, 12 games a year over the next five years? No. But it at least gives them ahead of the curve of the team that we're talking about here in Cleveland. So we'll leave you on this note. So today I needed to get away from the computer, Jay, and I got out of the mom's basement. And uh, it was nice. It was like 50 degrees out, right? So I just went yeah. for a walk. And during this time I was thinking, you know, the only time in my life that I've had a conversation with Josh McDaniels, you know, when that was? Oh, my. <laughs> it was a Charlie Brown was... Pro Day 15 years ago. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. That is amazing. Yep. That is yep. amazing, amazing, amazing. That's yep. funny. Yeah. But that tells you our story. Well, the, the intriguing one intriguing one is Ben, right? Because I know you know him a little bit, and I know him a little bit. Um, and he's found his way to be successful as well. And it would be funny if Josh was the head coach and he became the offensive coordinator or the quarterback coach. No, let me say this. If Josh gets the job, I absolutely don't think Ben should be given the job. I think the Browns should put their foot down no. and say none of this. You're right, but it's the Browns, and that's what they do. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Josh can come in and ask for anything. You can ask the Browns for ben anything. The head coach of your Cleveland Browns. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the running back that that McDaniel had in McKinley? He's gonna be the running back. He probably and I was gonna say Brown. <laughs> Adrian, no, Adrian Brown was my, he was in my, he was he was like my age because he's yeah. young town after a prison after his bid. Yeah, um, he I think it was Dave Brown. Came back to high school football. <laughs> 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 then he went to Young South State and tore it up to Trestle and helped you win a national championship. Oh, the nineties were great. <laughs> 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 uh, I, 
think it was Shea Bryant, though, wasn't it? Shea, who went to Ohio State. Yeah, he well, played Shea with probably I think... more than running back, but Shea, Shea was older. Shea was older than Josh, I believe. No, 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 no. Shea I was think not you're... older than Josh. Shea played with Josh. Shea was older than the next group where Ben was the quarterback with Mike yeah. Doss, Jamar Martin, Kenny Peterson when they won yeah. the national title. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, this just say Brian's a football hour here on the A to Z podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we take care of all our people. We if we've walked around and ate your popcorn at your high school basketball stadium or in your football stadium, we're gonna show you some love when the story meets it. <laughs> what other podcast starts with Kevin Love and ends with Charlie Fry? Huh? Beat us. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Honeymoon, to Scene, to Cleveland Whiskey, to American Fireworks. We will do another one this week. Will we have any updates yes. on the coaching search? I don't know. Jerry, think of something else we could talk about. This team's making me lose my mind. But honestly, guys, thanks for listening. Let's make 2020 the best year yet. We appreciate your support, um, your tweets. Uh, hey, we can watch the national – when we going to watch the national sh- – we still got to wait a week for the national championship game. Yeah, so – Come on, NCAA. watch the national championship game with you. But, but uh, yeah, we still got to yeah. wait a week. So. Can you see you all one week? I can't wait for it. Talk to you guys. Talk to you soon. Take thanks care. for listening.